this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast this is k bharat kumar the union government last week cut excise duties on fuel sales in a bid to temper galloping inflation is this move adequate are there other factors that are spurring inflation if so are there levers that the government could move to arrest a further deterioration to help offer some perspectives we have with us today ms aditi nayyar chief economist at ikra ratings hello ms nayyar welcome and thank you for sparing the time to be with us today so thank you so much really appreciate your being here to share your perspectives on recent moves by the government to temper galloping inflation rates um in your note on saturday you had indicated that inflation would print 6.5 to 7% in may and compared with april's uh, significantly in excess of 7.7.8% and would cool by about 20 uh, basis points going forward this is likely not sustainable if either oil prices continue to rise or if other factors spurring inflation continue unabated do you see the situation deteriorating going forward for any particular reason on any front thank you so let me just clarify basically we are now expecting two things as far as the may cpi inflation number is concerned firstly with a high base effect and with the partial impact of the excise duty uh, cut on petrol and diesel we are expecting uh, the number to now come down to 6.5 to 7% for the month of may overall we expect the excise duty cut to have a first round impact of 18 to 20 basis points on the cpi inflation uh also a couple of states have so far come forth with uh, the vat uh, cuts on uh, these fuel maybe some others will follow suit and that will also help to determine how much second round impact there is on the cpi inflation going forward overall we expect the cpi inflation to average 6.5% in fy23 that's our current estimate of course if there are further shocks either in terms of commodity prices uh, rising going ahead or perhaps uh, you know even uh, from a monsoon which is not well distributed then certainly we could see further upward pressure on the cpi inflation but given the uh, domestic agri outlook in terms of uh, the heat wave which has impacted uh, the wheat yields for uh, the rabi crop but a monsoon which is expected to be normal and above last year reservoir storage levels as of now coupled with some negatives such as uh, concerns on fertilizer availability, availability and uh, perhaps even liver availability in the rural areas uh, we are looking at a very modest increase in agri output in uh, fy23 and that then uh, along with the global factors which are leading to high edible oil prices and uh, uh, feedstock prices for poultry for example overall we expect that food inflation is likely to remain on the higher side and uh, that itself will be another source of stickiness in the cpi inflation trajectory going ahead so possibly there could be very few months in fy23 where cpi inflation actually dips below 6% so it's going to remain an uncomfortable trajectory going ahead okay so if we look only at oil prices for now uh, i know there are so many factors uh, commodities and so on and so forth uh, geopolitical tensions and all that if we just look specifically at oil prices do you see stability or a yo-yoing of uh, fuel retail sales prices uh, in the in the coming few months because we've seen contrasting uh, predictions uh, i think i read a jp morgan report that says average of 104 a barrel uh, for all of 2022 but in davos our oil minister also said if oil price continues to increase 
then we're probably looking at a recession. And I'm sure he was referring to multiple parts of the world, not just India. So any such fears that, uh, you know, stalk us right now? See, as far as the crude oil price is concerned, even the last couple of months have been very volatile. Setting aside that one day of $130 per barrel, even after that, we've seen uh, the Indian market price ranging between, let's say, 97 on the downside and 113, 114 on the upside. That's not a narrow range. That's a pretty significant range as far as crude oil prices are concerned. And uh, perhaps, uh, you know, we need to be prepared to at least deal with this kind of a 15 to $20 for barrel volatility even going ahead or depending on how the supply demand news flow is on any particular day. And uh, both on the supply and demand side, news flow has been uh, sort of uh, itself volatile, you know, between concerns on demand coming from China, uh, what will be the impact of uh, sharp Fed rate hikes on demand in the US, for example, versus the uh, sticky uh, supply side issues uh, both from OPEC and OPEC plus. Uh, so I think we need to be prepared for oil prices uh, moving in a pretty wide band, even going ahead. Average, however, I would expect to be in the range of 100 to $105 per barrel for this fiscal year. Okay. So as a corollary to that, I know uh, pre, um, I mean, before the war began, uh, our uh, imports of Russian oil were not so significant as a portion of our total oil imports. I know it's been increasing. But uh, it would be impractical to expect that uh, discounted prices of Russian oil would actually help offset some of our losses, right? I mean, there's only so much uh, India can import in terms of significant quantities that were ramping up over a short period of time. Or do you see any positives uh, down that path? There? See, it's very difficult to say with certainty uh, whether uh, the actual price uh, is softer because of discounted imports which are taking place right now. Uh, that could be one of the reasons why prices were stable uh, through the latter part of uh, April as far as the retail sales uh, selling prices of petrol and diesel are concerned. But uh, I don't think uh, uh, I'm in a position to say with any kind of certainty uh, that uh, that is what led to the stable uh, prices even when the uh, Indian basket price itself, uh, the way that it's constructed, was a lot more volatile during that period. Okay. You know, I also read that um, state governments do have fiscal headroom to cut their share of duties on fuel. And today, for instance, the Hindu itself had a data point that said, you know, whether state governments act or not, the act of the central government cutting excess duties does have an impact on the value of the VAT that um, state governments take away. Do you see any more action on, on the front um, on, on, where state governments would act, especially after Kerala and Maharashtra have taken the lead? But are there any possibilities or with political differences, you see the status quo continuing for the next few months? So, most states uh, impose VAT in an ad valor manner. And therefore, when the excise duty is cut, the per liter VAT collection uh, on petrol or diesel automatically goes down for the state government. So, that is why you would have noticed that there is a difference between the actual cut in the excise duty announced by the center and the extent to which the pump prices went down. The pump price reduction is larger because of this automatic reduction in the VAT uh, which comes in because most states have an ad valorum VAT structure. Now, a couple of states have gone ahead and announced VAT cards of their own. Maybe they are assessing their fiscal space to be adequate. But there is one very big challenge which is looming for state governments 
which is that the gst compensation period is ending the five year transition period of gst compensation is ending in a little over a month and uh, some states we've seen have had a very large dependence on uh, gst compensation flows relative to the size of their revenue receipts in the last uh, few years and uh, we think that that might make them a little cautious in rushing into uh, announcing vat cuts given the fact that as of now uh, there has been no extension which has been announced for the gst compensation so i'll be myself curious to see how many other states follow suit but uh, i think they're going to be a little circumspect because there is this major structural challenge which is looming in just about 35 to 40 days i saw in your theme note um, i think that came out yesterday on higher taxes or so on 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 the uh, excess duty cuts that higher taxes would actually help offset losses arising out of these duty cuts you know i was just curious to understand if at all there is an impact of inflation itself on the buoyancy in tax collections so is there a correlation that we have saying you know we actually saw higher tax collections but somewhat contributed by the inflation itself or is that negligible that impact yes uh, higher prices do lead to a uh, higher uh, tax collections particularly on things like gst there is a one to you know there is a, a positive correlation over there but let me just uh, give a background why we expect there to be this cushion on the receipt side which will absorb the excise uh, duty cuts basically when we look at the provisional uh, data for fy22 that has been shared uh, by the government of india uh the tax revenues are significantly higher than what was uh, estimated in the revised estimates for fy22 and therefore the growth embedded in the budget estimate for fy23 is very very low now if we assume that the nominal gdp growth is going to be somewhere in the range of 14 to 15% in fy23 then non excise revenues may also grow by a similar amount and that is giving us this very large headroom in uh, the budget relative to what was estimated for fy23 for the non excise revenues um and a portion of the upside of course will be shared with the states but even netting all of that off pulling in the higher uh, you know the spillover of the lic inflow disinvestment inflow to fy23 from fy22 and offsetting the lower than budgeted rbi surplus we still think that total uh, receipts could be about 1 trillion higher than the budget level which is quite significant okay related to this um, i had a question because when 2016 when the gst regime um, uh, was announced and you know a few months later it set in uh the thumb rule was you know analysts were telling us that if you can manage uh, 1 lakh crore worth of receipts a month or uh, average of uh, 12 lakh crores a year then you're covered there's you know you haven't lost too much uh, just because a new regime came in the last few months uh, you know probably exceeding a year we've seen the run rate per month go up uh, much higher than the 1 lakh crore so you would say that you know the gst regime has actually uh, succeeded in ensuring collections of course but has it also expanded the tax base or has it be plugged uh, leaks what would you uh, say what would your take on the gst regime itself the success of the regime itself see 1 lakh crore as you putting it was a very early number and uh, under the gst compensation act the revenue base was uh, expected sort of to grow by 14% every year and if it didn't then the difference was to be paid out as gst compensation what we've seen in the last two years is that the gst compensation requirements of the states have been very large so 
that's sort of you know one way of putting it that even though the headline numbers have grown they have not grown by that notional 14% year on year on year that uh, was envisioned uh, barring which gst compensation would be provided having said that i do believe that compliance has improved quite significantly after gst has come in and the gst e invoicing and eway based system has uh, contributed to that uh, so there are successes i'm not saying that gst has not uh, been successful but perhaps the revenue buoyancy uh, has not really materialized uh, to the extent that uh, was anticipated or hoped and of course the pandemic uh, has had a negative impact on uh, consumption and on gst collections in fy21 and fy22 sure okay so um, the actions on part of the government on other fronts uh, its actions on uh, uh, duties on iron ore and steel and then actions on wheat export uh, have evoked some negative uh, reactions uh what would you what is your take on both of these fronts and added to that what are the levers does the government have to temper inflation if you take a 30000 foot view and say these are the things that the government can do in addition uh, to uh, cutting excess duties on fuels see basically uh, the government would have limited uh, tools in the current situation where its global supply side factors which are really driving uh, inflation right now that is the origin of the inflation the fact that it's getting more generalized of course is a concern for us in india but the basic origins of this high inflation episode are broadly stemming from global supply side factors and it's very hard for either indian fiscal or monetary policy to really be able to clamp down on this so what can fiscal policy do it can tweak the duties and stresses uh, to reduce the landed cost of uh, imports uh, we can look at uh, selectively using uh, export bans as well although those make us you know it's it, it's it, it's not very easy always to uh, sort of uh, go ahead with those and on the monetary policy side uh, you know monetary policy can really try and prevent inflationary expectations from unhinging in a situation like what we're in currently so we are expecting that uh, the monetary policy after the excise duty cut will not need to be terribly front loaded now however it's clear that we need to get back to a pre pandemic rate for the uh, repo rate and therefore we are expecting a 40 basis points hike in the repo rate in the june policy followed by a 35 basis points uh, rate hike in the august policy and then a pause to reassess the impact on growth we are right now seeing a terminal rate of 5.5% for the repo rate by sometime uh, by the middle of next calendar year but we do expect that after we get back to the pre pandemic level of 5.15% for the repo rate uh, then uh, monetary policy actions are going to be very very data dependent after that so if i just take the opportunity to move away from inflation um, and look at your most recent note on your yeah, predictions for q4 uh, gdp growth uh you know i was not so pleasantly surprised to find that uh, your estimate for agriculture Uh, you indicate that that too may have grown feebly i'm sure the, the impact of the heat wave when you mentioned that in the early part of our conversation so those uh, factors like those may have contributed but this seems a significant contrast from the first wave of the pandemic uh, when agriculture actually came to the rescue uh, being one of the few sectors that showed growth uh, so are heat waves the only uh, factor to blame is there anything else that you see or that you have seen which may actually impact uh, growth going forward Uh, you did talk about the unpredictability of monsoons, but anything else that would have missed my eye? 
See, 4Q4 is basically the heat wave which has caused us to uh, reduce our forecast for the agricultural GDA growth or the gross value added growth. Uh, we've seen a significant uh, downward correction in the latest advanced estimate for crop production, particularly for the wheat crop. And wheat is very dominant as far as the Ravi output is concerned. So Q4 and Q1, uh, possibly this is going to be uh, a major reason for dampening the agricultural GBA growth. Going ahead, uh, like I was saying, we have uh, you know some concerns on uh, the fertilizer availability and also on the manpower availability. So in the last two years, just to recap, when we look at FY21 and FY22, once the pandemic started, both of those years saw a good amount of monsoon rainfall. And we also had a lot of reverse migration in the initial part of the pandemic. So there were more people available in the rural areas to actually till the land. And with good monsoons in those two years, the acreage also went up quite significantly. Now, if a lot of people are going to shift back to the urban areas uh, for uh, contact intensive jobs in this year, then the manpower availability in the rural areas may be lower than what it's been in the last two years. And even with a normal monsoon, we therefore may find that the fringe areas, the outside areas may not end up getting cultivated, the less fertile areas. And uh, I really won't be surprised if uh, acreage doesn't increase and actually ends up falling a little bit in FI23. So that is something that we do need to watch out for in terms of uh, uh, risk on the agricultural output going ahead. So, if we take this in combination with inflation, it's going to stay uncomfortably you know, higher than 6%, you mentioned, in the very near future, and uneven recovery in terms of economic growth. So, we are uh, looking at a very serious possibility of stagflation, right? Stagnant growth and inflation uh, giving us a double whammy. See, stagflation is a very big word. I try to stay away from it. Our forecast for GDP growth for FI23 is still 7.2%. That's really, it's hard to quantify a 7.2% growth as being stagnant. So, yeah, I, I won't use that word. Okay, but if you have to sum it up qualitatively for our listeners, um, you, you, would you say that you're just optimistic, but, you know, cautiously so because there are so many uncertainties with the war and so on and so forth? Absolutely. I think, yeah, I, there are going to be sectors of the economy that may do better uh, in the current situation, possibly. A service sector will see a revival. People are more confident. Vaccination is quite widespread. Uh, so that sector may actually see more of a revival in the coming year. And uh, industrial margins are likely to be under pressure because of high commodity prices. Agriculture, I just talked about, we are a little cautious on the outlook. Uh, so it would be a sort of sector-specific uh, situation going ahead. And uh, there may be some households with better income certainty than what they've seen in the last couple of years. And other households who are uh, going to find that their uh, budgets are getting eaten into because of high inflation. So even at the household level, the responses may be quite uh, different uh, to the kind of situation that we are expecting to unfold in FI23. Okay. Um, I've exhausted my list of questions. Anything else you think we could have missed out? Anything of consequence uh, to this conversation? Please feel free to go ahead. No, I think we've covered everything. Excellent. Okay, really appreciate your being with us, Ms. Kanyash. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.